Yes, it's time again for Buddy Martin. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Better. Stronger. Faster. Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Hey, what if the voice calls while you're gone? Take a message. <laughs> Bye. You ready, champ? I'm ready for this my whole life. I'm incapable of small talk. <laughs> but that's why you love me, right? Kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes. And now, here he is, the host. Buddy Martin. Good evening, and welcome to another all-digital Buddy Martin show. Glad to be with you on this Thursday from our new digs, old digs here in Ocala, Florida. Hope you're enjoying your day today. Uh, we've got a special show with some good guests today. We're going to review some things that have happened. This week has been so crazy for me. I, I, I can't believe the Super Bowl was just last Sunday. It seemed like it was a year ago. With your Olympics starting, what, tonight? Stuff happened. Basketball, full tilt. So usually February is pretty slow, but it seems like it's getting off to a fast start. I'm just sitting here on a on a Thursday when I would normally doing be doing the Southern Pigskin show, Southern Pigskin tonight, which we've done for five six years uh, on a network. We're doing it differently. So, Buddy Martin, along with you today, and I see Steve Flatman's the first to check in from the Gator Nation Kingdom. Hello, Kingdom. Thanks very much, Steve. We'll get to you folks, and I want to hear from you today, Bill Pace. Make sure you guys weigh in. You've got lots of things to talk about. As of yesterday with the National Signing Day, I was there. Maybe you saw some of the videos we did. Did the show a little bit, hello, Colby. Did the show a little bit different yesterday. We broke it up in parts. Uh, came to you two or three times live, and the responses have been good. Hello, Dave uh, Soderquist, and thanks for all your good work there. Today on the program, we're going to go back and look at some of the recruiting. And the guy who said Jacobs uh, is going to be uh, a um, – Jacob Copeland's going to be a Gator, he said for sure. He predicted on this show, and he said, why? Because he said, I believe the kids. They say it, I believe it. Hello, Jimmy Howell. Hello, Josh Ish. Good to have you on today. Thanks for joining me today. We'll be live with you, Becky Smith, Carlisle, until 7 o'clock tonight. A special guest, Todd Swearingen, who's, uh, who was mm-hmm. the guy who called the Jacob Copeland deal, said he was going to be a Gator, uh, will be joining us. Um, and uh, then at 6 o'clock, we'll be doing uh, some, hey, Richie Robinson, we'll be talking to our buddy Joe Williams. Joe and I have been doing uh, sports talk for 30 years. Ken Saguini, Dilly Dilly, to you, my friend. And we're going to talk today about eh, just football in general. Joe is a good guy to have on the radio. Uh, Bubba Ennis, Dilly Dilly to you, Bubba. Uh, thank you very much. Yes, please like and share. Donald Wilder, good to have you on. Good to see all the peeps checking in. Bill Fryer, Ocala, say hello. Uh, so Todd will be here in about 10 minutes. Uh, I'm not skilled enough yet to get us on so I can get Todd Skyped in. Hello, Richard Clements, uh, because I don't, tr- don't trust myself, but I'm going to have Todd on the phone. Uh, he'll be joining us then at, uh, at 6 o'clock. Those of you who have not heard Joe Williams, you're in for a treat. Uh, he's uh, just a, a good guy. Good radio talk show host in Denver, uh, Richard Clements. 
and a very uh, good student of the game of football, college football. He and I have been talking college football for over 30 years, and he'll be giving us some insight about what he thinks. Overall, the picture, of course, we know how Georgia swept the sweepstakes, and uh, we'll talk about how things look for next year from his perspective out in the Rocky Mountains. Uh, and then at 6.30, we've got a guy, Richie, uh, we've got a guy that I think is an up-and-coming star. I told him this yesterday. He's right now on WRUF. I think it's called the Tailgate Show in the afternoon. I love having him on. He's so informed, smart, young, sharp. A guy I got my eye on because I, I've seen a few things in my day, a la someone named uh, Laura, who's uh, anchoring Sports Center this week. Uh, and I uh, I think this kid's got talent. I don't say he's, he's the next Laura Rutledge, but hello, Israel. Nice to talk to you. Good to see you. Um, and uh, so we'll have him on to go over the list. I was doing a show today in Denver, Joe Waves' show, that I do every Thursday. And his host, uh, Kent, is a very knowledgeable football fan. And he asked me a question. You know, and I you know, I had to go back and look. I, it caught me off guard. If I said to you, how many people did Florida sign yesterday and how many do they have now? Because the numbers get all messed up. What's their total class look like? You know, of course, the first wave, what well, that was about, that was Emory Jones' class. And then the eight they brought in. And now this latest group. And you got to start doing the math. By my mathematics, and you can have at it and say, you know, you can tell me what you think. By my mathematics, uh, they've got 19. I thought it was 20, but that's for the junior college transfer is expected to commit tomorrow. So we'll talk about that some as well coming up. So uh, that's that. Uh, I don't know if I told this story yesterday. I was pleased to be on with uh, Brady Ackerman today on his show on WRUF. Uh, at 1045, and we, we Skyped it in here from his station over to uh, the page, to our uh, Gator Nation Kingdom page. Hope you folks got a Buddy Martin show. Uh, and had a nice talk with him. And I had a, a list of things. This is one of my topics today. How does Dan Mullen resemble two former coaches who were national championship coaches in Florida? Okay. Shouldn't be too hard to figure those names out. And there's an amazing similarity in many respects. So uh, I will uh, I'll get back to you on that uh, and uh, let you know uh, uh, what I've got in my list. I'm going to call uh, in a minute and talk to Todd and get his take on the, the, the finishing up of the recruiting stuff. Uh, yesterday going into the stadium, been to the stadium thousands of times, seems like, probably more like, maybe a thousand. Um, and the press conference was uh, scheduled for the Southeast SEZ, they call it. And the, it, it, it threw me off about where it was going to be held because I've been to press conferences all over that state, North end zone, press box, coaches, offices, uh, the, the, uh, Football complex room, you name it. So I was walking down um, the uh, the stadium drive there, and I was looking kind of lost. Actually, it's Gail Limeron. That was where I was, and I saw this guy walk from around the corner, and I said, "Excuse me, sir, I have a question." I looked up at Jeremy Foley. <laughs> he said, "Hello, buddy." I said, "Hello, Jeremy." I said, "Jeremy, this press conference is at 
SEZ South End Zone. I'm not sure which one that is. He said, I'm not either. He says he didn't. I'm not sure either. So he says, oh, I think it's the one down the stairs where we go after every game for the for the coach's press conference. So he says, come on, I'll take you on a shortcut. And he just cut through a side door. And we got there. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and I got a chance to go down to the to the presser and uh, and do the thing. If some of you may have heard, and, and if you haven't, you ought to check it out. I was able to ask three pretty good questions of Dan Mullen yesterday. And somewhere on our page, I have it here. I haven't learned how to play it yet. Uh, I've got three questions and long answers from Dan Mullen um, about his transition class, uh, about Jacob Copeland and what he was, uh, what he thought of and so on. And we'll try to play that video at some point when we get it fired up. If we don't get it today, we'll get it tomorrow. So uh, anyway, that's what we got today. Uh, that's the topics. And uh, now we got it up. Okay, I'll see what we got here today. We got, oh, I see you checking in there, Richie. Rich, Steve Flatman, Richie, you're busy. Uh, yeah, fire your questions away and your comments to all you folks. We'll try to address those as much as we can. We'll try to be more interactive. And who would you like to hear on the program? Bubba Ennis, you're there. How about the, how about the, uh, the chief knight there? Uh, yesterday, getting a selfie made with Dan Monk. How about that, Bubba? Uh, we will, uh, we will ask you and ask him. Uh, we're going to take a few chosen people. We've had Bubba on. Uh, we had Len Tyndall on, and from time to time we'll have all members who are, uh, especially those who are advisors and those are who are, uh, those who are uh, mods and what have you, uh, doing good work on the site. Good stuff, by the way. Uh, and if you recommend somebody, I'll take them under advisement, okay? And then see, maybe we'll have them on. And I encourage you also to go onto the site and introduce yourself. I love that you guys go on and say, hey, let me tell you who I am. Because this is a meet and greet, right? It's a meet and greet. And, and we're getting to know each other. I was hoping to get a chance to actually meet Bubba yesterday, but he was one place and I was another. So, yeah, um, give me some suggestions. We try to be very friendly and interactive here. And i uh, love to have your thoughts in the process, all right? Uh, what else? Uh, I was on my other show today, which is Our Town, which is a a show, local show in Ocala here, uh, pointing out the, what we're doing now with our, uh, our our program. We're not on the radio as we speak and really don't have any plans to be at this point in time. Radio is a different medium now. It's there are advantages to being on it and there are disadvantages to being on it. I've been on the radio all my life, was a part owner of these stations here in Ocala and Gainesville at one time. Great run. Many of you know I did the 6 o'clock show. I've done the morning show. I've done the four o'clock show off and on. And after this most recent year and a half came to a point where my contract was up and honestly didn't know what I wanted to do. And I'm not sure the station knew either because radio stations are having a difficult time these days. So Brendan, the crown prince has been saying, you got to go all digital. You got to do this thing. And I said, eh, I'm not sure about that yet. Of course, what happened was, you know the story, if you're on the site and you're with me, you know the story of how we ran across each other and how we started this movement and uh, and how we wound up doing Gator Nation Kingdom. And I'm so glad we did because this has been a wonderful experience and it's going to get better and better and better. I got some big news to announce today. I wanted to say that my longtime sponsor, 
of my radio show and some of my digital shows, my friend, who's a prominent attorney in town, Daniel L. Hightower. I want to say this full whole thing. Daniel L. Hightower, lawyer, fighting for accident victim justice since 1976. I'm proud to say that Dan just signed his contract today for another year with me. I do appreciate that so much. Listen, we're just trying to break even around here. We do pro bono radio, pro bono this, but we're excited. Dan believes in what we're doing. And our Our Town show, the same thing. Renstar Medical Research is my sponsor on that Our Town show. Listen, folks, you can't do it without advertisers. You can't even turn the lights on. And you can't do it without you people. You can't do it without the Brendans of the world and uh, the Franz Beards of the world uh, and others that come on the show all the time, especially you guys. So thank you very much. And thank you to those sponsors. We really appreciate it. So, yeah, Bubba, you're right. That's awesome. It's really awesome. People are, uh, you know, are a little reluctant to say, you're going to go all digital? You're not going to be on the radio? No, not for a while. I don't foresee it soon. So uh, Steve Flatman says, can we have a golf tournament to raise money to help you guys pay for the show? Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. Well, that would be nice. Uh, we love your show, said David Soda. Chris, thank you. We love doing it, and we're going to make it work somehow. We're not going to be in poverty row. We'll get it to work somehow, and it's just a new medium, and people are getting used to it. So uh, we're we're thrilled because we have you, and we have an audience. We have some a lot of things we've talked about here. You'll be seeing and hearing about them soon. So I don't want to ruin your day talking too much business, but that's that. I'm going to go ahead and try to call now. Call Todd. Todd's an interesting guy, actually. Todd. Todd, I ran into Todd 22 years ago. He was doing a lot of NASCAR stuff. I thought Todd was probably as good as I've ever heard on NASCAR. And he did some wonderful things with us uh, at uh, on our radio show. Uh, and uh, I tried to talk him into doing radio with me a bunch of times. And Todd's always busy doing something else. So uh, we got him on the show earlier this week. He told us about Jacob Copeland. And uh, <clears throat> he said he'd come back on again. Todd, you're on the air live for the Gator Nation Kingdom. How are you, my friend? I'm good. How you doing, buddy? Not as good as you. You called it. You had it cold. You you <laughs> you, you told us, folks. It's Todd, hard to repeat what you already know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Todd said it, and he was right. And I said this yesterday. Um, folks checking in: Von Durant, Nolan Richards, Joe Fulford up in Iowa, David Soderquist, so on. Uh, Lisa Barton in Barton Clements on Nogan Fleming. Here's the thing. Uh, at a time when people said that Jacob Copeland, who in my mind was one of the prize picks of that whole class, in my opinion, uh, was wavering, they said, wavering, wavering, you know, was not going to happen. His mother clearly was Alabama. You told me something on, on, on the air and told me on the personally. I said, Todd, who do you trust? And you said, I trust the kids the 17-year-olds, because they don't put spin on it. They tell it like it really is. And I think Jacob Copeland is going to be a Gator. Congratulations, Todd. You nailed it, and the kids were right. Yeah, it's, uh, you know what happens, buddy, is, is, is these kids, these upper echelon kids, they play in a lot of 707 events during the summer. They go to the same on-campus uh, tour sometime. So they develop a relationship. And so – Really, when I want to find out what you know the real scoop is, and it's not 100 percent accurate, but yesterday it was. You just ask the kids, "Hey, man, where's that, where's this guy going to go?" 
because a lot of times what happens is, especially with media members, is the kids will try to tell them what they want to hear. So if they sense that they're for Auburn or Alabama, then they'll kind of slant it that way. But the kids, generally, when you talk to them, they have no filter. They have no guidance. It's just like he said in the in after he's said he was going to go to Florida. That was what was on his heart. And generally, with the kids, that's what you get. So my best source is not uh, some rating of fifty nine percent and move to sixty. I just ask the kids, "Hey, where's this cat going to go?" Yeah. <laughs> Well, what did you make out of his mother? <clears throat> I mean, that was the big topic because we've seen this happen before. Um, the mother was dead set on Alabama. She was all blazed out in her Alabama shirt and her, whoever that was, sister next to her. And she got up and stomped out of there. Later, she'd give her credit. She did come back later and gave him a hug. But Yeah, you know, uh, buddy, recruiting has changed so much. The parents are involved at a greater level than they've ever been because of the rule changes. So, I mean, you go on an unofficial visit now, you can take your mom with you. So my guess is that she had been to several campuses. I don't know this to be a fact, but my guess is that she probably went to, you know, him being a, a, a top 300 pick, he, he probably made all five of his, of his visits, and mom went on every one of them, if not, you know, at least four of them. Yeah. And so they develop a relationship with the staff too, and they develop a relationship with, uh, that campus and the people on it. So, you know, mom might have thought it was best for her son to go to whatever school for a few minutes. And then, uh, reality set in. This is where he picked. And so now, you know, she goes back and hugs him. But uh, I just made of it as, look, my mom's pretty emotional too. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, moms tend to be that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact is, he signed on the dotted line. Uh, he sent his paper in, his LOIs in Florida. He'll be a Florida Gator come, uh, the spring bee. Well, you know, he had a lot to say about that and uh, afterwards. And he said, that's just my mom. There's a tweet sent out today, and I'm not, I don't have it in front of me, but it's long lines. And that's just my mother. She's always got something dramatic, you know, now I'm, I'm paraphrasing. That's just how she's always got something like that going on. So she's apparently very theatric. He kind of laughed it off, didn't get embarrassed by it. And Mullen said, Dan Mullen said yesterday, he had a really good comment on, on, on what he thought the kid was going to do. He said, Jacob and I talked about it. And he said, you know, I told him he ought to do what he thinks is best and not get influenced by someone putting pressure on you. And he said, Jacob thought about it, prayed about it, was going to make his decision he thought was best for him. And he said, honestly, if it had been for him to go to Alabama, that's what he should have done. I'm okay. I want the kids to make the right choice for them. Now, he hopes that right choice is Florida. But uh, so I thought Mullen had a very reasonable approach to it. Uh, and uh, now, look, I've never seen this kid play it down, and I don't know what's going to happen except it looks good on film. Everybody talks about him. What we can tell at this point in time, he looks like he might be he might be the he and Emory Jones the prizes in the class. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. So, and it also comes at a time where things were pretty dim. There, uh, you remember, uh, for a couple hours, things were getting dark again outside. And it looked like he was going to go to, to Alabama. Things weren't going that way. Um, uh, Petit Ferrer obviously was gone. We never thought he was going to be a Gator anyway. And they weren't getting the big ones. And people are starting yes. to think, well, yeah. this thing is listening, right? Yeah, so uh, I think one of the things that you saw that has changed in this recruiting cycle and going forward is that early signing period in December has made who's ever left on the first Wednesday in February even more important because there's no fallback guys. And so I, I think, was, I think uh, 220 of the top 300 
that were rated signed in the early signing period in December. So that left 80, if you go by the uh, recruiting rankings, of the top 300 players left on National Signing Day to make a decision. And they can make it any day thereafter. So, you know, I think there's going to some Friday and, you know, whatever next week. But um, I, that just the dynamics have changed. So I think but you're going to see that more in the future where you may go three or four hours where there's not uh, anybody that, you know, of – of, of notes, if you will, on a list for a certain school that may or may not be signing because of they've, you know, they made a majority of them signed in the early signing period. I would venture to say if there was no early signing period and you take this class that Dan Mullen and his staff put together in a short amount of time, including Jones, who was committed to Ohio State for two years, and if they would have flipped him from Ohio State to Florida on National Signing Day, it would have been much bigger news. But it was an old news cycle because the kid signed on December 12th. Yeah. So that's changed the dynamics of this recruiting process as well, where you have an early signing period where you're going to have to wait some guys out. It makes it a little harder. I'm all for the early signing period. I just What they need to do with the early signing period is they need to let the kids take visits in their junior year. The spring yeah. of their junior year, they need to be able to take their official visits um, and get that out of the way and, 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 and done. That way the coaches at the schools know and then – you know, it just, it, that would be a better process for everybody. Well, Mun said that he liked it because he said, honestly, he got more time in that early signing period to not just work on these recruits, but to work on the, the 2019s. And that's where they're going now as they're going to the next year. They're all going deeper. And Mullen's big on relationships. And so he said it worked out well. And I told this to Brady Ackerman this morning on his show. This is my feel. I got a chance yesterday to hear ESPNU. And I, I heard uh, my friend David Bolton on there for a while with Danny Canal, by the way, which was strange, um, on ESPN. And then I heard Mark Packer's show, and I'm sure you listened to that too. Um, and I heard 10 of the best coaches in America come on that show and talk about it and in depth. Uh, and there was a pretty much resounding, uh, I wouldn't say uh, 100%, but they all seemed to think it worked, could work better for some people than others. You know, uh, but they all seem like, okay, we know what it is now. We kind of, you know, coaches, something new, they're superstitious. They want to make sure it's okay to do. But for the most part, they liked it. And it wasn't as painful as they thought. And we'll see how it wound up. But, uh, you know, the various and sundry reasons, like if you're like Penn State and you only signed, what, two players or something in the second signing period, you didn't care. But, yeah, well, um, I think, actually, buddy, it, if you're the University of Florida, Florida yeah. State, or Miami, even right. UCF, if you're a Florida-based school, mm-hmm. the early signing period helps you yeah. because it does two things. It, it allows – because the head coach can only be out so many days a year. Right. That's he's, what most said. limited yeah. for his on-campus. Yeah. So if a kid can drive to Gainesville or drive to Coral Gables or drive to Tallahassee or Orlando right. uh, versus driving to Ann Arbor, Michigan or, you know, wherever else, that, that you have the advantage of – multiple contact with a kid outside the yeah. normal routine of I can visit your I can visit your school, let's say it's Ocala Forest or Vanguard or you know, whatever high school it is, but you know what, you only live two hours from me. Why don't you come on a Sunday, man, we're gonna when you can sit in on one of our meetings. That's allowed because the kid can make as many unofficial on campus visits as they want, except for a couple of weeks during the summer where it's blocked out. But other I think the early signing period helps Schools like Florida, even Texas, where the geography works in your favor. Well, Jed, Texas mopped up. He really mopped up. And I heard uh, this. I think you yeah. can look at an overlay. 
you look at the two programs, Florida and Texas, they were kind of in the same boat mm-hmm. uh, a year ago where they made the change at Texas. This was his second recruiting class. I think you're going to see the same thing happen at Florida next year uh, and on National Signing Day. I, I'll, I'll make a bet, wager, whatever you want to call it today, that Florida has a top-five class. I have no doubt in my mind. Mm-hmm. One, the staff showed that they can recruit very well in a short amount of time. But two, they're going to have a lot of scholarships to play with that they can have in their hand. Yeah. And if you look at the ESPN Top 100 next year, there's 14 of them in two counties in Florida. Wow. So that goes to their – and I think nine of those guys are down at IMG Academy. So yeah. when Dan yeah, made go. that uh, flight down there in the helicopter, <laughs> that wasn't just for this year. That was for going. Well, Mullen talked about that yesterday. <laughs> and after, it was after the press conference, and he walked along. And he stopped and talking to Mark Long. And Ed Thompson is who else was, uh, Robbie Andrew and I. And he was saying, uh, what, what's the big deal about the helicopter? He said, I did it all the time in Mississippi. And somebody said, well, so, you know, everybody thought, freaked out, thought it was great. And he says, I do that all the time. I always take a chopper. It's nothing new for us, but they made a big deal out of it. But well, I think it's uh, new for Florida fans. Yeah. I don't remember McElwain doing it. I no. don't remember Steve Spurrier ever doing it. No, so. no, I think, I agree. <laughs> I think it was a good touch. Again, I think uh, Mullen is uh, doing everything as, as as Brady says. He's been watching us from afar for a while. He's figured this thing out. So, yeah, I think that was good for him. And I don't know a lot of things. Like I heard Mullen say, I won't be able to recruit again until the fall. And then I heard some other coach say, well, I'll be able to get people to visit in the summer. I'm confused. I can't keep that. Yeah, so the, on, so the on campus, they won't, he won't be able to be, uh, you know, the head coaches can't be back right. on campus. Right with kids until next fall. Right. I mean, sometimes open up like sometime in October, there's a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and then they get one uh, around November ish and then it closes for a little bit. So yeah. the head coach is very limited. That's why I said geography is so important now with these seven on seven camps that, uh, that the schools have. Miami has one, Florida has one, Florida state has one, UCF has one, South Florida has one. And they're big like the Friday night, you know, they bring in all the yeah. teams and, I think the geography is going to work in the favor of just the schools that are in the geographies where the players are, where Dan Mullen, even though he can't make an official visit to a school, right. will probably see the top-tier athletes more than Jim Harbaugh will sure. because they're just not going to have the same opportunity. Sure. Well, uh, really good stuff, Todd, and thanks again for the information and insight. And also, I wanted to share this with Mullen yesterday, but he, he, he was in a hurry to get out of there about how what you said about how it's a different attitude now when Florida coaches come to Vanguard High School, uh, it's not like it used to be. It's just a different feeling. They come prepared. They come knowing who the people are. Because one of the stories I heard about the Pounceys, I don't know if you heard this or not, was that they had come from Tallahassee and they came on down to Gainesville. They were so ticked off because Bowden couldn't remember their names. Uh, yeah. you know, And that's the kind of that's thing a, that's a recruiting killer. A, and, and that's one of the things – again, that has changed in the recruiting process. Uh, the enamored of, okay, this coach is on campus. Yeah. Well, okay, you know, Steve Spurrier in 1992 would have walked in your high school campus, and that would have been a great big deal. Oh, yeah. But if he didn't, but if, if he didn't know your name, he didn't know much about you, right. it would still have been a great big deal, and that wouldn't have been news. Well, mm-hmm. nowadays in, to the, in this well, world, you better know. coaches yeah. have Twitter and mm-hmm. Instagram accounts, and they, you know, they're sending yeah. out stuff every day where – and you're expected to be at a different level, especially if you're at Florida, because the expectations are so much higher. He might better bust a move every now and then, too. <laughs> yeah, I, thought, yeah, Dan, well, I was saying about Davos Sweeney. Yeah, he's got it down. Football, 
why is it ever? signed six players outside of the state of South Carolina yeah. that were the number one ranked I heard that. player in their state. Each of the six. I heard him talking about it to Mark Packer yesterday. It's amazing. Um, yeah. Well, and that wasn't just Clemson, but if you look at uh, uh, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, yeah. uh, if you look at their top five sort of in terms of rankings, they had more kids from out of state than in state. And I think yeah. that's why the geography uh, the, the geography part of recruiting, meaning where kids can get to campuses more often, is going to play a big part in uh, recruiting going forward yeah. with this early signing period. Because if you've met with Dan Mullen three times before December, why do you need to see him two times after December? Yeah. And I agree. whatever other coach, Nick Saban or uh, Willie Taggart, I, I, I just think it's going to work to the right. the schools that are already in these areas' favor going forward. I just yeah. really do. Todd, thanks so much, buddy. We'll talk yep. to you soon. Up, Have a good one. All right. Todd Swergen, local, actually, is, doesn't work in sports. He was a coach, follows it for a hobby, uh, and uh, does a really good job, I think. Uh, my, my, my task is maybe you folks out there can listen to this list. And add to it, my list is name the ways in which Dan Mullen is similar to Steve Spurrier and Urban Meyer. Okay? You listen to me out there, Richie and Lynn and Joe and Jimmy and whatever. Name the ways that Steve's, that, that uh, Dan Mullen is like Urban Meyer and Steve Spurrier. All right? In other words, bring a football mind. Both guys had to bring a football mind. So does Dan Mullen. So you work on that pros- that that project, and I'm going to go ahead and call Joe Williams for Mile High Sports here as we're approaching the 6 o'clock hour here on the Buddy Martin Show. We're live on Buddy Martin Show page, and I don't know if we're live on our page. On our, has anybody shared us over to uh, our Gator Nation um, Kingdom page? If you haven't, please do. I haven't had time to do that. Uh, we're going to give Mr. Joe Williams a call and talk to him. You have to be my uh, eyes and ears, folks, today. The crown prince is out, all right? Uh, I know you guys are enamored with fish right now, but uh, somebody out there, Bubba, if you're around, uh, see if you can get us shared over to the Gator Nation Kingdom page. Uh, and I'm going to talk to Joe Williams. And I've got my list. How does Dan Mullen compare in what ways to Urban Meyer and Steve Spurrier? Now, I got to tell you something. It's amazing when you start lining them up. And to have, to be compared to a guy like that, well, uh, you're talking about two of the best ever. And is Dan Mullen in that ilk? I don't know, you know? Um, uh, so I'm getting a feeling about this and maybe I'm the only one, but, uh, I'd like to know your thoughts about it. We'll come back and address it after Joe Williams coming up uh, at the bottom of the hour, Zach Alboverdi. Uh, will be joining us. Uh, Joe Williams, you're live on the Buddy Martin Show. How are you, my friend? Well, I'm doing good, buddy. How you doing? Really good, really good. We're live on uh, Facebook Live, and Joe Williams and I are doing doing some radio again, and nothing new about that, huh, Joe? We've been doing this a while. Yeah, I'd say, what, about uh, four score and seven years well, ago? What, I was like trying that. to think, over 30 years, right? How long has yeah. it been? Yeah. And so, That's right. I don't think you liked me the first couple of weeks. It took a while to win you over. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a pushover. Well, you were a tough Marine, you know, hard, hardcore, and you didn't put up with any junk, and you thought I was a pansy, which I probably was. I don't know. But um, 
became one of my best friends. And I'm thrilled to be on with you again. And uh, I, we did your show earlier today, and I kind of rushed through my list of this this, this comparison of, of, of uh, it's almost heresy, to compare two national championship coaches with a new coach in Florida. But that's a, a task I started out, which I want to talk about some more today. But listen, uh, Joe, uh, I never have been a big guy on uh, draft day. I've just been so-so on recruiting. But it seems like recruiting now has been so much so much more important. And Dan Weller made this point. I want to see if you agree with this. He said there are four or five steps toward becoming a champion. It begins with identifying the players that you want and getting the player the kind of people you want and recruiting those players and trying to get them. And then when you get them, bringing it on board and seeing if you're each one of your assistant coaches can make them better and talking to them about how to improve their game, developing those players, then coaching them to be a team, and then trying to go win. And he, I think he's got to figure it out. That's a logical sequence, isn't it, Joe? If you can do it all. Yeah, it is. Well, you know, in the recruiting process, you know, there's a couple of variables, and you can only go, uh, buddy, by what you see in front of you or on tape, right? Uh, right. The coaches, the coaches will go and they will – uh, go to the kids' games and they'll watch them play in person, or at least one of the, you know, the assistants will, you know, the recruiting process, but they see them and then they get tape on them and they watch that tape. The biggest variable, though, is you're watching 16 and 17 year olds, and sometimes, not always, of course, but sometimes, the kid never gets any better, right? And right. you're trying to, you're trying to figure out, you're watching a 17 year old, is he going to grow? Is he going to get faster? Uh, will he work? Does he love to play the football game? Does he want to practice at it? And what's he going to be like when he's 20 years old, right? Right. And uh, instead of 17. And that's where uh, you uh, you get the T.J. Watts of the world, the Colt McCoys of the world, uh, the ones who in high school, they didn't really shine, uh, but then they start growing and things start happening. And... Uh, it's uh, that, that's the biggest part of it, and that's sometimes when you get the hits and misses. Uh, like a kid comes out of high school, like Aaron Rodgers did, and was not recruited. Yeah, believe it or not, by Division One, uh, Drew Brees was not recruited by any major Division One school in the state of Texas, and Drew Brees came out of the same high school that Nick Foles did, and Brees was not recruited by anybody. Now figure that out. Uh, you're, you're still mad about that. You're still mad about that because no Texas still got – they let him out of the state of Texas, you being a Texan. You're still mad that Drew Brees let him get away to go. Uh, was it Purdue? Yeah, he went yeah. to Purdue. That, yeah. was the only, yeah. that, that was the only – that was Purdue, believe this or not, yeah. about Drew Brees, was the only Division yeah. One school that offered him a scholarship. Yeah, and nobody, nobody in the state of Texas offered Drew Brees. Purdue, and he was right there in Austin. I mean, can you believe yeah. that? That's yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah, and I, yeah, and you look at that, and I look at Spurrier, and he got three guys that PK Young, and 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 played on the national, well, not national championship, but the team the year, the undefeated team the year before national champion. He hired, he got kids out of PK Young, a small school there at the program. Once, so. You know, again, look, I get the fact that some people want to say, hey, give me three stars anytime. That's nice to say uh, because you can coach them up. But I'd rather have a five-star coach stuff if I can get them. 
But I also think you look at Dak Prescott, and, and, and by the way, yesterday, Mullen made that reference again. Uh, when you talk about how good they were, it's, I don't know, let's put them on the field. Uh, I do think you want to get the best players you can, but you want to get coachable players. And one of the things Mullen said, and I like, is that that player, that assistant coach who recruits him, has got to know about who he is and what he's about and what makes him tick, and can you coach him? Joe, we've seen players in our time, we've been on enough swing, who were uncoachable. As you said, some were coach killers. Well, and you got to remember something else, too. All right. Um, how much do they love to play? Sometimes the kids are pushed along in football, and they're doing it for – they're playing for everybody, their mom, their dad, their uncle, right. uh, their girlfriend. They're doing it for everybody except themselves. And uh, when you get one of those, that can be uh, problematical, as we all know, because the kid, he really doesn't like the game. There are also kids – uh, and that, that, that makes this very dicey sometimes because kids who are recruited to Florida or to Alabama or to Texas, growing up, they were always the best player on their team, almost in every case, all right? And which means is that goes, there's a certain amount of entitlement that the kid feels, whether he's awarded it or not, you know, he feels entitled because he's catered to. Uh, every time he's, ever since he's been, you know, young enough to put on pads, he's been the best player. He's the one that gets picked first. He's the one that never gets yelled at. He, you know, in other words, allowances are made for his behavior because of his talent. All right. You project that right up till you get to college and then it all changes. You get there. And in most cases, Nick Saban doesn't care where you came from. Dan Mullen doesn't care where you came from. Once you get on that field, everybody's kind of equal. And if the kid doesn't go out there and want to compete, because now he's no longer the best player on his team like he's been all his Mm -hmm. life, right? Now he's among equals, and some kids don't respond very well to that. And, Joe, you and I have seen the other way around. We've seen Air Force Academy uh, with with, with Kenny Hatfield's team uh, and and, and others uh, where, uh, where these players were two stars. You know, and, and really magnificent coach. And we've seen those teams go to South Bend and beat Notre Dame. Uh, so, and that's Four nice. Four years in a row. Four years in a row. Exactly right. We watched that team and, and followed that team very closely. Um, and loved it. We well, love, we love yeah, Carnegie. Speaking of Air Force, let me just get that in while I'm thinking about yeah. it. Uh, here's an example of exactly what you were talking about. Chad Hennings. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Remember came him well. Out, yeah. Came out of the state of Iowa, was not recruited by any Iowa or Iowa State or anything. He came to the Air Force Academy. He was 6'4", 210 pounds. Four years later, playing on one of the best Air Force, one of the best teams in the country, mm-hmm. he won the Outlaw Award. Was not even recruited in his home state of mm-hmm. Iowa, and he went from 210 to about 270, whatever he was, 280. Four years later, playing on one of the best teams in the country, which they were, and he won the Outlaw Award yeah. for the best lineman in the country. So that's that's what makes it such a dicey thing yeah. that you're true. Yeah, it does. It's very dicey, right. <clears throat> so we don't, I don't know how it plays out there, but obviously one of the big things around here in the SEC is we, by the way, listening to Joe Williams from, uh, he's a popular, he's one of the best talk show hosts in the Rockies, and he's voted Denver's best. Uh, he has been doing radio a long time, and he knows his college football, and that's for a long time. Before Google came along, there was Joe. Joe had every fact, every player in his brain, and we used to be able to talk about that. But uh, but Joe Joe does a show called the Joe Williams Show, 
uh, in Denver, and uh, I was on with he and his partners today. Uh, and, of course, this is the Buddy Martin Show. We're live on Facebook Live and also uh, on our uh, Gator Nation Kingdom. Joe, you know, you got to get be nice to these Gator fans. We have a bunch of them here now called in our Gator Nation Kingdom crowd, and uh, sometimes you like to taunt them. You used to. But the fact is, I was thinking today, Joe, You've been a, you've been following the Gators for over 35 years because I've known right. you that long and you followed them and you know the program. You remember the program. And, uh, so you can't, you can't dish that off. And you, you've been following these Gators as long as I've known you. Yeah. And a lot of times they haven't taken my advice. Uh, <laughs> there's been years when they did, they didn't need it. They, when Spurrier was there, they rarely ever needed, uh, to hear from me. But, uh, well, you, you love, know, uh, you love Spurrier because he always covered the spread for you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you have other times, you know, when they, they kind of step out. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to diss on uh, Jim McElwain, but he was not a good fit for that program. And, uh, I think now they do have one. And, you know, that's the way it rolls in college football. Uh, sometimes people make mistakes on people. Doesn't mean McElwain's not a good person, but he was not a good fit in Florida. And for whatever reason, and I don't think uh, I don't think it took very long for Gator fans to realize that. But well, when you've got a new coach, you know, and you're a year or two in, and you're going, I wonder how this is going to end. Uh, we know it's going to end badly. We just don't know when it's going to end. So mm-hmm. uh, you got to make the right uh, you got to make the right choices. And a lot of times, uh, if a coach is not a good fit, and uh, hey, we've had our share of uh, coaches that were not good fits right here in the state of Colorado. <laughs> Remember when I went to Folsom Field and, and could see you, Colorado, playing out there, and they had I think forty eight thousand a big day for them, and they said, "Boy, what a crowd we had at Folsom!" I looked at them and I said, "You call that a crowd? Where I come from, that's you know what we get for scrimmages, you know." Yeah, you get that spring ball. <laughs> well, we got got high school games in Miami, you know, uh, and so I knew right away that uh, in those days, Big Eight football, what's called, uh, was not like SEC football. Not to say there weren't some good teams, there were. I got to see some really good players and uh, and some really good coaches in Oklahoma, obviously, and what have you. And and, and um, so uh, and the scores of Southwest Conference, I mean, was also there. Joe, the, the dissolution of the Southwest Conference was one of the one of the, the worst days of your life, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, because I you got to remember I was uh, you know I was kind of uh, uh, well I was born and raised in well, Texas, Red and, River, Gainesville, uh, the Dental Royal era, yeah. and. Uh, uh, in, in Texas, you know, the state is so big, and you've got little enclaves, all these towns, and uh, everybody kind of has the, the school that they follow in that particular town. And uh, in my town, unfortunately for me, it was Oklahoma, because uh, Oklahoma, uh, our town, Terrell, Texas, where I was raised, mm-hmm. they sent players into the Bud Wilkinson uh, machine yeah. uh, at Oklahoma, but uh, I was always a Texas Longhorn guy. Mm-hmm. And until Daryl Royal came along, I didn't have much to uh, to whoop about. Then yeah. Royal showed up, and then he started beating Oklahoma and Arkansas. And I had, my, mm-hmm. had myself a fine time, and then of course, uh, every once in a while, you have to pick one off or two from uh, Arkansas. And uh, but the Southwest Conference uh, and the Humble Football Network, by a guy named uh, who broadcasts the games, Kern Pips, and Kern uh, Pips. I, I, that's how I broke uh, broke in. And the Southwest Conference football was no joke. Uh, 
uh, at the time, back in the 50s and 60s, I think we'd all agree, oh, yeah. well, maybe everybody except for you. Doug Walker? It's the best, it's the best football Well, Doug Walker and Bobby Lane, I know that. Yeah, my new Doug, as you know real well. And <clears throat> now, you're, no, there was some great fun. I got to see the Pony Express. I covered that game. Could you believe, we're, we're going to stop going down memory lane, but in that Cotton Bowl game, Pitt and, and, uh, and, uh, SMU, I think SMU beat them seven to nothing or something. Um, uh, I don't, and Marina was a quarterback for Pitt, you know, and, and, uh, they scored all of, maybe 10 points, hardly anything. It was, uh, surprising. Of course, we didn't know how good Marino was. And, uh, Foz Fazio, right? The head coach, wasn't he the head coach? Yeah. Uh, of Pitt. Say, say that again, buddy. Foz Fazio. Oh, yeah, Fazio. Yeah, he coached Marino when Marino, Marino was a senior. That would have been 1980. That's why I'm talking about that team in the Cotton Bowl. <clears throat> that yeah. team in the Cotton Bowl. And, and, and I saw that, that Cotton Bowl game. It's like the old joke about Michael Jordan. Who could hold him under 20 points? Dean Smith, Dean right? Dean Smith. Well, this is who could hold who could hold Marino to uh, no touchdown passes. Folks, folks, face Exactly. Well, Joe, let's wrap up the recruiting stuff. I know you don't do follow it too much, but uh, in the Sissy Conference, as you like to call it out there uh, on the coast in Colorado, uh, who's the prize pick of the, of the litter around the Rocky Mountains in terms of the players? Say that again, buddy. Who's the prize pick for? Uh, uh, the, this, this well, year. usually, usually in the state of Colorado, uh, you know, we don't have. Yeah, you know, this would be hard for people in Florida to to get the wrap their heads around. But you know, we don't usually get more than uh, ten or fifteen players that can play Division One football, mm-hmm. uh, Power Conference Division One football. I mean, that's the most usually in any given year. Every once in a while, there might be a few more. But uh, that's about it. And uh, lately, most of them have been going out of state. They have not, uh, like last year, uh, Dylan McCaffrey went to Michigan. And he uh, was one of the, out of one of the top high school programs in this state. And uh, he went to Michigan last year. Uh, this year, our best player in the state, a kid by the name of Max Morgie, was not even recruited by the University of Colorado. Well, he was. He's a running back. Uh but uh, they wanted to recruit him as a defensive back, and uh, his name's Max Morgan, and he committed mm-hmm. to Washington State with Mike Leach. Yep. And uh, that was probably was the it. biggest, uh, in terms of a, you know, in terms of a big name in high school. Right. Uh, he was probably the, the number one prospect, and he's not even going to CU or CSU. Gotcha. Okay, Joe, I'm going to give you this. You don't know a whole lot about Dan Mullen, but I'm having a little contest here to see. I've got a few of my listeners who have logged on. <clears throat> and told me uh, uh, a couple of these answers, but I did this comparison I mentioned on your show today. How is it that Dan Mullen and what traits did Dan Mullen have that, is, that are like Urban Meyer and Steve Spurrier? Based on what you know, can you think of one or two? <clears throat> well, you know a lot more about Dan Mullen than right. I do, but I, you know, I, 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 he obviously can relate to uh, young men. Mm-hmm. You, you know, obviously he can do that. He's, uh, you know, his prior experience in Florida gives him a leg up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know as much about him as you, but I hear people say that, uh, you don't think of him this way when you see him on television, but he's got a lot of, uh, he, in other words, some people like they say, well, that guy needs a charisma implant. 
apparently yeah. Mullen's got all that stage, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Some people say that uh, that people have charisma bypasses too. You know. Too. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, I think he's got the personality down. He's got the acumen, football knowledge, and he's having fun. You know, we began to think. You told me about McElwain. I didn't listen to you. McElwain just sort of let the air out of the program. He'd rather make peanut butter sandwiches, and I don't like to knock people when they're gone. But you kept telling me, you know, you sure you got the right guy out there? Well, they're getting us to the SEC East game, but you called the shot a long time ago. He was the wrong guy for the job, that's for sure. So, yeah, well, he's a good football coach, I'm sure of that. Uh, he worked for Dick Saban in Alabama, so, uh, you know, but working for somebody mm-hmm. and being the guy who makes the decisions, you know, when you're an assistant, it's, you make the suggestions. Uh, when you, be, you become the head coach, you're making the decisions. And I just don't think that was a good fit for him. Yeah. And he knew all about SEC football, having yeah. been at Alabama as a coordinator. Right. But it's a lot different deal uh, when you're the guy, you know, and, and uh, when you're the head guy, everybody yep. looks to you for every reason why you lost that It's a game whole different Saturday. deal when you're in the hot seat. A whole different deal. Yeah, it's a lot different. Hey, Joe, good stuff. Thanks for joining me on the program today. I appreciate it. We'll be talking to you hopefully next week. Thank you, Joe Williams, Mile High Sports Endeavor. Appreciate that. Uh, I'm sorry if we went down memory lane there, but uh, <clears throat> we go back a ways. Uh, coming up next, Zach Alboverde. How many of you know him? Excellent job. Very talented young man. He's followed recruiting very closely this year. He's going to join the program here in about 10 minutes and tell us, go over the list of players and, and uh, you know, who they are and, what they, and who they got. I believe 19 is the total, and we'll be able to go over that uh uh, and, and kind of get you coached up on that. So um, let me just see. Let me catch up on a couple of comments if I can find them. Um, okay. S- talking about Spurrier and Urban and how Dan Mullen is like him. By the way, that, that picture back there, not very good. That's the Fine Bomb show, which I usually watch every afternoon. I like Paul's show. The question about Laura Rutledge, she will be back on the show this week, and we will have her back on live, probably not for a couple of weeks, but we're definitely going to have Laura on. Got some very good guests for you. And by the way, I, I would love to hear from you uh, and guests if you like. You know, it, sometimes we don't get Gator guests. Terry Bradshaw would be one time we don't. But if you got suggestions, and uh, I'll be glad to try and, and get some of those on. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> Steve Flavin said all three were determined to win. That's correct. They were all very competitive. Steve, you're right. Um, yeah, Ricky Robinson hit it right. Offensive mastermind. Knows how to develop players. Where's the visor? No BS any kind of guy. Knows exactly what he wants. Darn good recruiter. Builds boys into good, rounded young men. So, so those, I've, you're, you're, I agree on most of those, Richie. It's a pretty good list right there. Uh, I've got my list here, and I'll just read you in a minute. But, yeah. I think I had this kind of, I won't call it an epiphany, but I had this thought as I'm watching. And and I'm watching Mullen. Now, I've known him 10 years ago. I know him a little bit. I've seen him grow much more mature. Uh, and I've seen him blossom. And he's a handsome man now, you know. He really is a handsome guy. He dresses well. He smiles. He's pleasant. Maybe I was just gotten to a point where I was tired of hearing McElwain grumble. I don't know. And I wasn't a Muschamp fan, okay? I'm sorry. I just could never get into him. So 
to have someone who's charming, interesting, uh, engaging in his conversation, smart, uh, is a leg up for people like me in the media that I can actually communicate with the guy. The, ver- the very few times I've had a chance. And by the way, I did get three really good questions in with him yesterday. And we got a video of that. We'll play so maybe tomorrow, whatever, if you haven't seen it. So here's some other comments. Um, Whatever you, what did you say? I uh, can't get to all these. Uh, I'm interested in, in the Bud in the Bud Knight guy. Uh, Saban. Let's see. What are you guys talking about here today? Well, other topics. Um, Mullen's secret weapon will be his wife. She's another Jerry Spray. Now, Jack. You hit a, you hit it out of the park on that comment. Very smart comment, Jack. And that is a big factor. I saw Jerry at the basketball game the other night. Arguably, she's the best coach of a, a wife of a coach I've ever met. And I met a few. She really was a gift for Steve. She's charming. She's smart. She'll tell Steve where he needs to go and what he needs to do. She puts, she tells him she's going to put up with some of his guff. Uh, and she's a huge asset. Megan Mullen, I don't know nearly as well as Jerry. Well, I hear great things. And I talked to, to Megan when first day, and we booked her for the Ocala Quarterback Club. She could come speak. And I was talking to Dan yesterday and said, tell Megan, Buddy Martin, to ask about him. And I'm still asking her to come to our quarterback club next fall. And I don't have her contact information. She said, well, Steve will get it to you. Don't worry. on Or you send your information. Yeah. So I said, she's a better speaker than me. I said, well, I know I heard you say that on your first press conference. So anyway, so she'll be coming. We'll talk to her, get to know her. She's smart. She got kind of, she sort of got bashed unfairly early on when it looked like Mullen wasn't going to be the coach. She had made a comment in a story a long time ago about shopping for groceries in Orlando because she worked in Orlando and there was a lot of heat. If you're the, if, if like my mother says, if you go out and you only score 42 one day, there's people want to know why you didn't score 48. Uh, and fans can be brutal. So, um, I think that, uh, I think people mistook that to think that she was saying she didn't like Gainesville. And, uh, when you get to know her and see her, you're going to love her. You're going to like Megan. She, by the way, was on Golf Channel, many of you know. So anyway, that's that. Uh, I have a list here from, um, my list. I'll see how, how many of these Zach agrees with. Tomorrow, uh, by the way, on the program, I'm not sure yet what all guests we'll have, but we'll have France Beard talk a little hoop. Last night, Florida got a much-needed win over LSU. Had to have that one. And even then, in the end, they had, they needed to push. They fell behind late in the game and came back. Uh, and they got some key buckets. And they cut. I like that three-guard offense they run. When they get that three-guard offense, and you know, Allen and Cheese and – uh, and, and I think that's an effective one. And they, they did a good job on that. So, yeah. Um, so we're going to be talking to basketball friends, a little bit more recruiting. Uh, and one of these days soon, Bubba's going to be out there. Bubba's going to give us a, um, uh, give us a little preview about what's going to happen in the spring. Going to be interesting spring, really interesting spring. And all of you hopefully will be involved. It's about 625 right now, my time. I don't get a break in the show. So you'll have to put up with me through the next 35 minutes. And Zach will be here momentarily. Um, I've got, let's see here. I don't know if I can play this or not. I'll wait. 
But I've got this list in front of me. And, uh, by the way, I haven't been able to check the, the, the sports news lately. I know there's some NBA news, a bunch of stuff. Did I hear that D Wade has been, uh, traded back to Miami? Wow. He wanted out of Cleveland that bad, huh? Uh, yeah, I've heard, I don't follow the NBA closely, but that's, there's a bunch of shop. Lakers had a big deal today. Uh, there were trades earlier in the, in the week on the Clippers two weeks ago. Uh, they're really, Crazy times. I don't watch a lot of NBA, but uh, if you've got information, have any news here? Let me let me have it because I'm sort of flying blind today without my uh, other computer and news. I'll check the go and check the information, and Zach will be coming up in just a moment, and we'll talk to you. If you haven't met Zach, Zach's a sharp young man. Uh, he follows uh, recruiting very closely and follows Gator Sports closely, um, and. Um, yeah, thanks, Bubba, for putting that up there. Uh, we'll need to put together a tailgate party committee to help. There you go. There's a challenge. There's your challenge. So, um, uh, we're going to have some good social times together. And thanks to Bubba and, and Lynn and the whole gang. It's going to be a good time. So I've still not met Bubba except the whole line and on the phone. Brother, we got to get together soon. Uh, I'll buy lunch or whatever. So Bubba, of course, is a fire rescue man. Brave man, uh, first responder, uh, and he teaches. I don't know if I'm supposed to tell us or not, Bubba teaches here at, uh, in Ocala at the fire college, and he's a busy guy and he's not always available. So one of these days we'll be able to, I'll be at Mark's tomorrow night, as a matter of fact, and maybe get up to Mark's one of these days in Gainesville. You guys give me some lists of things, uh, some places to give Bubba uh, some meet and greets you want to do. We talked about having one in Ocala, I talked about one having one in, um, uh, in Gainesville. And, uh, before the spring game would be good. So, yes, yeah, Steve is always there. Steve Flatman. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's good. Leadership, leadership. That's what it takes. Um, all right. I'm going to, um, go ahead and go with my list I've got here. And I'm going to call Zach. How Spurrier is like Urban and, um, excuse me, how Mullins like Spurrier and Urban. I just dashed this down. And in some ways more than others, number one, a brilliant football mind, and, and that's all three. I think Mullen's got that kind of mind. Uh, two, he can develop three stars into four and five stars. See, Dak Prescott, what did he do there? Uh, and that's like both Spurrier and Urban could do that. Um, number three, this is very key. He's strategic. That's an important word in football, and that's something that Urban Meyer had. The plan to win. Where's that book back here? Where are the plan to win? Somewhere back here. Uh, here it is. The plan to win. And he had a plan to win. And we wrote about his book. And a friend of mine, well, it's Danny Williams. He's one of the sponsors of my show. Danny Williams, who is the uh, Danny Williams appraisal team. He took this book and read it this summer. And he said uh, he took this book and he made his own plan to win for his agency, for his appraisal team. They're following a plan to win. So that's about as strategic as you get. Um, so, uh, yeah, strategic is very good. Um, here's a key, and all of you have said this. He loves being in Florida. You can tell Dan Mullen, as we said, when he comes off the plane chomping, he's happy to be there, and there's something about that joy 
Spurrier had that, not as much Urban. Urban had some days he told me, boy, how lucky am I to walk through this, this stadium today. It would be empty. What a great place. And then, of course, he got sick and things happened. We won't go into the Urban Meyer story today. Someday I'll tell you the whole story so you'll know it because I have information. I was in places others were not. I'll give you the whole story. It may not be what you think it is. Um, and so, um, anyway, yeah, in that regard, strategic plan to win, he's like that. Uh, loves being here like Spurrier. Excellent recruiter. Urban, another buddy, number two class behind Georgia this year, every year. Look at his classes. Uh, six, makes the game fun, fun, fun. Remember? Uh, passionate. He's like both coaches. Very, very, uh, very passionate. Uh, sensational play caller. I think the best I've ever seen Spurrier. He, in his height, he was untouchable as a play caller. And you see, some of that in Mullen. And I've been fortunate to be able to witness that on the headsets back in 2008 on writing this book, hearing him call plays and actually locking horns with Urban sometimes. He's gutsy. A um, couple more competitive. Boy, I tell you, they're all three competitive. They don't want to lose. Um, he's a handsome dude. Like somebody said, Furman Bisher, the late Furman Bisher, wrote a column one time about Spurrier saying, people hate him because he wins. He looks like he came out of GQ as a model. He's brashing, he's handsome. And, uh, and I think Mullen has some of that. Anyway, I could go on. Com- both very confident, um, cocky, um, had a lot of swagger. You like your coach with swagger? I do. So there's a few things right there where they're similar. Uh, and we'll make my list. I'm going to write a column about this this weekend. Probably be on goodironnow.com. You guys ever read that? Goodironnow.com. And, uh, I haven't written in a while. I got to get my, my fingers are getting out of shape. So, okay. Uh, while you guys are discussing tailgates, let's see if I can get a hold of Zach and do a little recruiting talk here. I know that's what you'd like. If you have any questions for Zach, feel free to jump in there and ask him about a specific player. We'll try to relay that information. Let's give him a shout out right now. Zach Albavardi, uh, and he does a show in the afternoons. And of course, he writes for SEC Country. You'll see his stuff all the place. Hopefully, Zach is around. We'll find out. Zach Albaverde. Are you there, Zach? Yes. Buddy Martin. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Good. You're on live on the Buddy Martin Show. On oh, our, all right. In our new digital, <laughs> new digital age here, you know. It's a little different. So, yeah, you just got off the air, I'm sure, about 20 minutes ago or maybe 30 minutes ago. So, uh, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Finally have caught my breath after uh, oh, wow. the long 2018 cycle and, uh, and a really, you know, eventful national signing day. You know, for Florida and the SEC, it was, uh, you know, it's always crazy, but it was a lot more manageable, uh, I felt like yesterday, because of the early signing period. Not as many guys deciding, so that made it kind of nice. Yeah. Just, you know, seeing the way Florida was able to finish in the afternoon and and uh, just some of the needs that they that they were able to fill and, and the top guys they were able to get. I think, you know, Mullen and, and, and obviously Gator fans should be pretty happy about how things went overall, yeah. especially for a transition class. Yeah, I want to go over that with you a little bit if you got a minute. I know you got things to do, but I'll, if you got your list handy, I want to do it. But I want to talk about you first. Uh, tell folks what your, what your year is like because you work on this all the time. Tell them what you do, how you do it. SEC country, of course, you do the after you do the show. Tailgate show, I believe it's called, WRUF. Uh, and you get yourself propped up and ready to go. And now 
uh, it's over. What's it like for you once it's over? Is it a little bit of a letdown? Talk about your job in talking to players. You travel out to the West Coast, I know, this year. You go in the homes and talk to these people. Tell people how that works, Zach. Yeah, definitely. You know, in SEC country, we do, you know, we, we try to travel as much as we can and, and do as many, you know, unique features as we can. But more than anything, buddy, just really get to know the people, uh, get to know the players, get to know the parents, get to know the coaches. Um, and not just, you know, for recruiting info, but just, just to know them. Because that's kind of what, may, at least for me, makes the recruiting process, uh, you know, the good part of it. Because there's bad parts of it, things that get annoying. But getting to know the kids and kind of knowing their background and seeing how they come up through the ranks. Uh, and then, you know, once they get to college, you kind of have an expectation for them, not just based on, you know, what their recruiting rankings are, but just, you know, having known them. And so that's what kind of makes it really cool. And we do a lot of stuff like that, whether it be traveling to high school games, you know, getting to know them there in that setting. We do a really cool feature on an SEC country called the Next Generation Series where uh, not just at the Florida beat, but all of our, you know, SEC schools that we cover, we go around and, and visit the, the signees of all the, of, you know, of all the schools and mm-hmm. kind of do profiles on them where we go to their hometown and spend the day with them and go visit with their high school and go to their, you know, go to their home. Uh, and that's a really cool experience, you know, and that, that, that's when you really get to, you know, see these kids in their element and what they're all about. So, uh, and, you know, I've been at SEC country. You know, since you know 2015, after you know being at the Gainesville Sun, and you know it's a uh, it's been a fun journey, and you know stuff like National Signing Day is you know definitely one of the high points. Yeah, well said. Uh, so tell me about some of the individual personalities. Well, you get to see them in their natural habitat. I mean, we had an unusual situation yesterday with Jacob Copeland and his mother, which became a spectacle. And I saw a tweet today where. He kind of took her off the hook by saying, "That's my mama. She loves to create a scene like that," and he said it not in a, and he said it in a laughing way. He wasn't being critical. Uh, these things—it's so much emotion. It's so emotion charged. These decisions, and you've been around them. And Mama wants her to go there, and Daddy wants her to go there, and Uncle Joe wants her to go there, and all this stuff. And Dan, as you heard yesterday, you were in the press conference, says that you know there's a lot of pressure on these kids. They got to make a decision based on themselves. What are some of the dramatics that you've seen since you've been doing this? Yeah, that's a you know that's a great thing, buddy, because it has just you know seemingly gotten. I think this has always been a thing. I'm sure there's always been parents, um, you know, ever since recruiting's been a thing and been competitive, and there's been a bunch of you know bulldogs out there on the trail. Um, you're, you're always going to have parents that, that get upset and don't always agree with the school choices. But now, since recruiting is so big. Um, you know, everything is televised and there's social media and things spread and it's just a different age now. Um, and things are much more involved. You know, recruiting is, is much more competitive and there's a lot more pressure. And, you know, dealing with some of the, the best coaches in the country and their personalities and everything that goes with having a relationship with them, that does a lot to a player, that does a lot to the parents, that does a lot to everybody around him. And it's, uh, you know, it's unfortunate when – you know, when you see things like that happen, that happened with Jacob Copeland yesterday, uh, but he's certainly not the first. I mean, everybody remembers Landon Collins and yeah. his mom, you know, when he decided to go to Alabama over over LSU and being from, you know, Baton Rouge or New Orleans, rather. 
know, that was you know that was an area that, that they would want him to go and, and stay close to home. And ever since that, it, you know, every year it seems like on National Signing Day we have some kind of episode. You know, there was there was Josh Harvey Clemens. I remember him. Uh, you know, when he wanted to go to Georgia, I think it was the dad that wanted him to sign with Florida uh, and refuse. Uh, you know, to sign the LOI, or it might have been the other way around. I can't remember what the teams were, um, but that was a big deal the one year. And obviously, Florida fans remember C.C. Jefferson and that whole episode with his dad, which I covered, uh, you know, really hard at the, at the Gainesville Sun. We had a bunch of stories with his dad um, and him talking to us, and that was a really uh, stressful situation, I think, for everybody involved. Uh, so it's, you know, it's unfortunate, but, you know, there's a lot of other you know, great you know, recruitment that, that are, I think, an enjoyable experience for, you know, families. And, and and obviously, we also get a lot of times where kids build these relationships, and it's really tough to tell these coaches no. I think Richard Garage is an example, you know, the top 100 offensive tackle that, you know, signed with 40 yesterday. And, you know, he didn't sign early. He had been committed. And, you know, he let Clemson and Auburn, you know, get, get some re- reconsideration. And he went and took those official visits there and had those coaching staffs in his home and, Really liked Gus Malzahn, really liked Dabo Sweeney, and everything you know that they had to offer. And, and it's it's tough when you get around programs like that, and coaching staffs like that, uh, to tell folks no. Uh, and, and that's part of this. Uh, and, and we really saw it play out, you know, on national TV yesterday with with Jacob, and and it clearly it didn't look like anybody around him other than himself. One one really wanted to see him at Florida. There wasn't you know a lot of excitement there. It wasn't just his mom, uh, but. You know, that's the nature of recruiting, but this is something that, you know, kids got to, at this point, make a decision and that's going to affect their life, and it's it's an adult decision, you know. And I thought James Bates had a great tweet last night. He quote tweeted the, uh, you know, the video of Copeland's announcement and told him to hang in there. And, you know, he recalled, and a lot of Gator fans will remember this and have seen his video about it, uh, but, you know, him telling his mom that he was going to, you know, play for Coach Spurrier and, and being from the state of Tennessee and turning down the balls, you know, and had the pressure there from his family ties to go to the University of Tennessee and uh, telling his mom that he was going to coach, coach, you know, to play for Coach Spurrier. He said that she hung, up, hung the phone up on him. Uh, <laughs> then he put hashtag best decision of my life. So, yeah. um, you know, that's that's part of the, the recruiting process that's so intriguing uh, and it makes some of these decisions so interesting. Yeah, and we remember John Banning going to Texas from Ocala, you know, the five getter yeah. pair of the year. and. Suddenly saying he wasn't coming here. A lot of people were upset about that. Of course, he reversed that, came back to Florida, as it were. Um, I still think John Batty should have gone to South Carolina. That was in play for Spurrier. That's what was his opportunity. But he didn't do that. So, anyway, so let's talk about these recruits. Now, um, you, you went over them over and over. And, and, and there's a lot we don't know about them, uh, and, uh, about some of the ones that got away. Obviously, uh, Petit Ferrer was a, is a, was a big get for Ohio State. Never really thought maybe nobody thought in the end he was going to be a Gator anyway. But let's talk about. Do you have the list in front of you? Where they have nineteen altogether? Yeah, they got nineteen guys. Mm-hmm. And how many this? How many during the second signing day was it? So they signed six yesterday. Six, so okay, they, yeah. Yeah, and then thirteen they had during the early right. signing period. Right. Yeah, you know, also the two transfers. Two transfers, uh, right? You know, which, which you know what, buddy, I I consider them part of this class. I do I too. You know? Yeah, tell people you got I mean, you I can't know, grade the class. List, yeah, but uh, well, for that matter, how about Jordan Scarlett? Yeah, Jordan Scarlett, by the way, being back too, a knucklehead nine, right? So, 
So as thin as that. So you think it's enough players to sign? They got one more what coming tomorrow, maybe? Yeah, we'll see what happens with Gerald. You know, there's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if, uh, you know, I know that Malik Langham was unexpected. Yeah. Um, you know, at least in all the days leading up to National Signing Day, I think probably within the last 24 hours, it started to become a real possibility yeah. when he told the coaching staff. But yeah, I know it was a surprise. So yeah. I don't know if that changes their numbers at all. If it affects. Um, you know, uh, Dorian Gerald in any way. I mean, right. they're not the same type of player, um, you know, but they are coming in as strong side defensive ends. So we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I think that if, if you know, Florida's going all in on him based on everything that he came down and had his visit and, and just, you know, the, the ability to stay close to home yeah. uh, and, you know, play, play in the SEC, I think it's something that intrigues him. Um, but, but he really likes Florida's 3-4 defensive scheme. You know, that was something that, he right. found appealing, and Florida's his only finalist that runs a 3-4. So, yeah. you know, the Gators definitely got a shot here, um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how the numbers shake out tomorrow. Yeah. We'll take the questions for Zach. Just to, He's got a couple more minutes here. Uh, we had a uh, – Joey McBrayer says, I really thought Noah Boykin was a Gator all the way. Guess Brian Kelly must have uh, pitched Notre Dame pretty hard to him. Any, any word on that? Yeah, buddy, that was uh, that was a very surprising uh, decision result, uh, and it you know wasn't just you know folks in, in, in Gator Nation. I mean, you look around the country at all the schools that were recruiting him, uh, all the you know uh, reporters and analysts that were covering him. Everybody viewed Florida as the competition, as the team to beat, uh, the school that was in the driver's seat, mm-hmm. and you know just the way it played out, it just looked like what it was what was going to happen, and it all made sense. You know, he had a, a defensive backs coach, cornerbacks coach specifically, and Charlton Warren that had you know recruited him from when he was at um, you know Tennessee, and even even had contact with him when he was at North Carolina. And so they had some history, and that and that helped the Gators kind of get their foot in the door. Right. They had that big in-home visit in mid-January with Dan Mullen and three other assistant coaches, including Warren. And you know, when he came and took that official visit, then he goes back home. He decommits after they come to his basketball game. Uh, at that point, you know, everything looked like like Florida. Uh, right. But North, you know, Notre Dame came in late and and really you know, made a made a surprising get because. You look at uh, you know all the predictions out there and, and where everyone had him going. It was all Florida, and then in the eleventh hour, there was some buzz out there from Virginia of all places. Hmm. Uh, and he even got some predictions that he was going to go there. You know, I think right before his announcement, you know, insiders and stuff. So nobody really had him going to Notre Dame. Uh, so either he had everybody fooled, something changed late. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's it's unfortunate for the Gators. He's certainly one of their misses. Uh, you would say in this in this class, but uh, you know, as Chauncey Gardner tweeted yesterday, because we ain't worried about that too much. Uh, you know, he, he you know he said that they they feel like anybody else that they're getting to their secondary is just an addition. They feel like he feels like they have good numbers. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll see. I, I think Trey Dean will probably end up playing cornerback, even though he's listed as a safety, and maybe even Justin Watkins get to look there because they didn't get Boykin. So, yeah. uh, and they'll definitely have to load up at that position. 2019 yeah. class. And, and, and by the way, Mullen mentioned that yesterday. He could play anywhere at Watkins Uh, here's a couple. We got some pretty smart people here in the kingdom <clears throat> who follow it really closely. And, uh, and, and one of them is, uh, uh, what Jimmy says, uh, Gerald will be an Aggie. He's pretty confident about that. And Bubba, who's one of our smarter recruiting guys, says, I agree. Is that what you're getting? 
Yeah, if it's not Florida, it's definitely Texas A&M, and yeah. it's, been, it's been that battle for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, I know we, you know this story, and we've been over it, but people are asking, like Linda wants to know, what happened to uh, with, to a Petit Ferrer? And, of course, you said all along he's an unusual kid. He's got his mind made up. He's going to do it his own way, et cetera. Uh, and, of course, you want to keep those five stars from home, and you don't want him going to Ohio State or Michigan. By the way, he was supposed to go to Michigan at one point. So uh, I don't know. Um, uh, I like one thing that uh, that I heard uh, Tom Herman say on uh, yesterday on ESPNU that they're going to put a fence around Texas and keep their players home. You know, that's what their goal is next year. And so they guarantee we'll have some of the top 50 players next year in Texas. We're going to get them. So that's a good place to start. My question, I guess, is how do you get a Petit Ferrer? I mean, that guy was a stud. He's smart. Uh, he's everything you want in a player. He's high character, apparently. And yet he hates lists Florida, but really, did Florida ever really have a go at it? No, I, I definitely think that they did. I mean, I know talking to people that were really close to him that it, it was a Florida-Notre Dame uh, battle going into that Ohio State trip. And he had, you know, he had said that, and, you know, his coach as well, that that trip always loomed out there. And I think the Buckeyes were, you know, more of a factor than at least I considered and a lot of other people considered. And I think most of the reason why that people looked at Florida or looked at a school like Notre Dame and said, yeah, that makes a lot of sense for him is because of how serious he was about academics. Now, a lot of kids say that. He's really all about it. And, I mean, you check his GPA uh, to find that out. I mean, he's an exceptional kid. And, and, you know, just the whole culture there at Notre Dame and certainly the academic prestige at Florida and what it offers, it made a lot of sense, you know, and that's, and I think that's why those, those two schools kind of separated themselves from Michigan and Alabama, which just, just didn't seem like a fit for him. And I, and I thought Ohio State kind of, you know, fit that criteria as well. But Urban Meyer is a different dude, man. You know, he can get anybody from anywhere in the country to come play for him. That's number one. Uh, number two, and more importantly, I think, his primary recruiter and the guy that got Ohio State's foot in the door, Greg Schiano, had, number one, a strong relationship with him, but number two, very deep ties to, you know, Berkeley Prep. His sons went there. Um, you know, he's obviously been, uh, you know, in, in that school for, for a long time, uh, being as a recruiter and also uh, being in the Tampa area as the Bucks coach. So, you know, that, I think, helped things. And when he decided to stay, buddy, and you coupled that with a really amazing trip to Ohio State, uh, you know, from everything I've gathered, uh, it just was enough to kind of sway things late. Um, because, you know, they didn't only upset Florida, but they upset Notre Dame because they felt like they had a chance to get them, to get him right there at the end. Ever been to Ohio State? I have been to Ohio State, yeah. I'm actually, you know, my mom is from Ohio, mm -hmm. and I got a bunch of family in Ohio, my wife. Is uh you know is that was that well she was actually born in Ohio but she lived in Florida most of her life and she has her family in Ohio so uh, interestingly enough yes I've been to Ohio State and been to Ohio a bunch um, and Ohio State's campuses is very unique buddy if you know about her mm -hmm. been there you yeah know, I've been there it's not like the swamp mm -hmm. uh, the horseshoe has got its own personality and uh, and, and they're a football facility and a big statue of Woody Hayes out front. You know, and they have yeah, a lot. I went, took a, I went took a picture out. For I got one of those. <laughs> I got one of those Woody Hayes. I was not a Woody Hayes fan, by the way, but nonetheless, I give him regards. Uh, and Urban, of course, idolized him. 
But uh, I'll tell you this quick story. I walked in with my son-in-law, and I happened to have a blue sweater on. And we walk, we're waiting to go to the eat. Oh, with, we're, we're gonna we're gonna eat with the team. We were invited to go eat with the team. So we're standing in the lobby. Everyone walks out and looks at me and says, "Get have some scarlet on here." So he sent one of his assistant coaches back to get two red windbreakers to put them on. To, to wear them to get to the, <laughs> coaches are so maniacal about colors. I mean, really. Uh, but yeah, it's quite a place. It's impressive. So yeah, good. I mean, good thing he wasn't colorblind, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so uh, yeah, it's impressive. There's some beautiful campuses. People think it's just the SEC, but there's some beautiful places too. I've never been to the Big House. Always wanted to go there. But so, in wrapping up the recruiting, and I like the comment you were there. You heard Dan say, "I asked you about you know how they were able to, able to do so well, the nuances of recruiting, how supposedly Billy Gonzalez." Uh, said uh, was helping um, Copeland with his footwork, talking about it, all that sort of stuff. And he sort of said, well, we'll see if they can play. And that's a really good, healthy attitude to have because you can get all caught up and you think you've got a great recruiting yeah. class. And, look, I love the thing he said about the steps to championship. You identify the right players. and so maybe not right for you, uh, the five stars or four stars, but you take your type of player, you have to build your program, you go out and you recruit them. You find out if you think you can coach them, develop a relationship, invite them and recruit them, sign them, and then start coaching them up and then put them together on the field and become a team. And that's the championship process. And he's right. It's, a, it's not just a one or two step. It's all, all parts. Those are all the parts of championship football. Yeah. And, and you know, and it's also about doing it your way, too. And I think right. that he's got a vision, buddy. He's got a plan. He clearly knows what you know. He, he feels like he wants and what it's going to take to win in the SEC because he's done it. He's been a part of it, and he saw you know yeah. what it took to just get right there at Mississippi State but not be able to get over the hump. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and I think his standards too. You know, he's he's got I think higher expectations for what Florida's program should be, what its fan base should be, what its recruiting class ranking should be, uh, and how many trophies it should have in the trophy case. Um, I mean, he is a, he, he really wants to bring Florida back mm-hmm. to that point. Um, and, and the way that he's going about it, I think has energized everybody and he's done it in a really, you know, short run too. Yeah. Uh, final thing for, for, for Zach Alboverde from, uh, SEC country. You've probably seen him. We post a lot of your stuff here on Gator Nation Kingdom page. And he, of course, uh, does uh, some live, uh, stuff on, online and he writes some stuff and does radio in the, um, Afternoon is it Dooley and you and who else? And Jeff Cardozo. Yeah, the, Jeff Cardozo. Uh, yeah. Know, uh, yeah, I know former, Jeff. Former UF pitcher. Yeah, absolutely. I know Jeff. Uh, I, I, the name Percy keeps coming up. And, and you know, we have a, a guy here who's really on top of his game. He knows he has a lot of contacts. And he's talked about Percy some time ago. And he gave us the first tip. He said Percy was going to be here in Gainesville. And he was going to work in the strength and conditioning program. Uh, and he was going to, you know, I thought he would help out a, a volunteer, whatever, which I'm not sure how that works. And so I didn't know much about it and checked it. But yesterday, Mullen made a comment about him that leads me to believe maybe it might be a little different than it's been portrayed. He did say, if I'm not mistaken, said, do you ever see Percy? He said, my wife sees him more than I do when he's out walking his dog. But no, I don't really talk to him. So if he doesn't talk to him, it isn't likely he can have a lot of influence, but I'm sure that other players are 
it would be impressed to see Percy Harvin. And as you know, that, that, or, that what Jimmy said, I mean, excuse me, what Dan said yesterday, the best high school tape he had ever seen when he put it on. Yeah. <laughs> Un- yeah. Unbelievable, he said. So what do you know about Percy Harvin? Is, is he around? Does a name you get mentioned? Have you guys talked about it on your show? And is he going to be involved in any way here at the university other than volunteer? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, buddy, I think that that, that would be great. I mean, I, I'm sure that that's something that, you know, Dan was, you know, was asked about it yesterday and, and, and wasn't really able to give a, you know, comment on it as far as a, a role. So I think that's probably still being worked out if he's going to join officially in some capacity. But certainly just having him come around the program and be back in Gainesville um, is, is, number one, a big deal because of who he is. But also, number two, part of what he wants uh, changing this culture to be about. And it's not just about having Percy back. It's about having all the former players back, guys that play for him, obviously, but all the Gator greats and folks that won championships and made Florida football what it was. Uh, that's been lost and not, you know, really, I don't want to say been lost, but not as great as it can be and not, you know, as many former players uh, coming around as you could have. And, and certainly Spurrier has, has, has been part of that drive there, you know, bringing back all of his teams and the things that he's done since he's came back in his ambassador role. But to have Mullen also driving that bus as well and bringing somebody like Percy Harvin around the team, around, uh, you know, recruits, uh, hopefully, I mean, that's stuff like that is, is, uh, it, it only helps and enhances your program. Yeah. We have uh, Jimmy, who's the Bob. Jimmy News is on top of his game. No stuff has a contact. He says it's pretty much going to be happening, but we'll see. He's been right so far. All right. So, so if I'm going out, I'll let you give me one word. I'm trying to compare Dan Mullen. What traits does he have that are, that are very much like either Urban Meyer or Steve Spurry, the two national championship coaches? Do you see any? Parallels in the two. Competitor. Okay. Competitor. All right. Um, I, I think that his competitive drive and how hard he works, how much he cares, and his vision, you know, his self-drive, self-motivation, um, and I think the goals that he sets for himself. And that's not to say that, you know, other coaches haven't, you know, had, had similar traits. Um you know, been motivated in the same way. Uh, but Mullen is a different dude, like I said earlier, buddy. Um, he's just cut from a different cloth, and he is part of that, you know, Urban Meyer coaching tree, uh, and in many ways has a lot of his same characteristics and qualities. Um, and, and that's great, you know, because that's what helped Florida win national championships and become the program that it did under him. Uh, but I, I think one thing that, that that's so great about him uh, buddy, is that he's the most experienced coach that Florida's ever hired. Uh, and that yeah. experience comes in the SEC. Uh, you know, Florida has never hired a guy that had nine years of coaching experience, head coaching experience. Mm-hmm. And to have it in the SEC and, and out there in the West like that, um, and, and, and then coming from Florida and seeing that blueprint that Meyer mm-hmm. laid down, um, you know, that is, 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 is kind of setting up perfectly for him because he's in a situation where his competitive drive and how he wants to get things done is going to flourish at a place like Florida. Yeah, I was thinking this today. I'll let you go out to the saw. Is that one day soon, and it won't be long, Dan Mullen will become the longest tenured coach in the SEC. Think about it. Yeah. It's going to happen. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, and great stuff is up. And the fact that he's shown, buddy, that he can not get burned out, 
Yeah. Last, yeah. You know, and be at a program for nine years, that, that's yeah. huge. That, you know, and it is, and that is, a, you're, you're right, that is such an important thing. People don't know how hard it is to coach with longevity. Spurrier kind of hit the wall, and the people have different rumors about it, but Steve always said, sooner or later, people get tired of your act. You know what I mean? It just happens. Uh, and, you know, Nick Saban's had dips. I mean, he's had moments where he, you thought he's going to up and go someplace else. About that seventh, eighth, or ninth year, what they say about marriage, seventh year itch or whatever it may be, uh, is that, you know, th- this grates on people, especially with the pressures now, and they deserve it because they get paid a lot of money, is you get the people pounding on you, and about seven or eight years of that in there, like Nick Saban, if he didn't go undefeated or did get to the championship game, he's a failure. Well, he didn't sign. A, he didn't sign the top three, top two, and definitely not the oh, number one. It, five, so the dynasty's over. It's done. Yeah. <laughs> it's done. He can't get. You know, he doesn't have the all the top players and go to Alabama. So, but. meanwhile, meanwhile, he signed yesterday one of the best players in the country. One of the biggest recruiting upsets that mm-hmm. we've seen in a while, um, and still finished in the top ten and signed the same amount of players that Florida did. And we're praising all the job that he yeah. did. So yeah. it shows you the difference. Absolutely. So, hey, great stuff. I hope you'll come on again with us. Folks, give it up for our guy here, Zach. He's got good stuff. Hope you're getting back on here. You can check him out. He'll be on the tailgate. What time is it? Four to six, four to seven. What time? No, four to six, right? Or three to six yeah. on WRUF. And uh, you can check him out there. And you also get him on SEC Country. He writes good stuff there. He's all over the Gators. He's one of the best sources of information Give us your Twitter information and your whatever you else you need, your Facebook page, whatever you got. What do you got there, Zach? Yeah, yeah. If you type in my name, if you just Google my name, if you can figure out figure out how to spell it and pronounce it. Uh, H and not <laughs> a, H and not C will get you right there. Z A C H. That's all you need to know right there. Yeah, and, you know, and, and uh, yeah, Zach Albaverde is you know that's my Twitter handle, my uh-huh. Instagram, Facebook, all that good mm-hmm. stuff. All right, great stuff, Zach. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah, good talking to you, buddy. Yeah, all right, man. Yeah, I like this young man a lot. So, yeah, let's give it up. Yeah, thank you, Joy, for the comment and so uh, others who appreciate him. I, uh, one thing we set out to do is try, yes, Zach is right, try to give you good information. Bubba, we talked about this, trying to get the right people on with accurate information and, and people, no, not Zach Morris, Zach Albaverde. Uh, Z-A-C-H, Alborverdi, A-L-B-O-B-E-R-D-I, is that we want to get people who are engaging, who enjoy covering the Florida sports, uh, who have good information, who work at it. This guy does his homework. You can tell. And this is the kind of people I love having on. So hope you enjoyed him. And, uh, and, and by the way, you can, uh, go ahead and log out for the night. We're calling it a night here on the, uh, Buddy Martin show. Uh, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow. At uh, 5.30, you might have noticed that we did something different the last couple of days. We gave you some stuff in bits and pieces live when there was news to talk about. Uh, we did the um, the, the up, we did the press conference live for you, thanks to the Crown Prince. Uh, we did uh, the, the, the piece from the Swamp. We did you the update on Jacob Copeland as we found out about it, et cetera. So we're going to continue to try to do that. It'll be a little different, but we'll try to always be here for you at 5.30, unless we decide that one hour is enough. I don't know. We've got to think about it. But, hey, we're four days into this. Tomorrow we got another day. We'll see. The response has been great. Uh, and uh, 
And I think we're on to something here. Thank you. You're the, you're the ones who make this, okay? So have a great night tonight. Are you up for a late night dilly dilly tomorrow night? What do you think? Should we get the crown prince in here at 9 o'clock tomorrow night and open the bottle of wine and do it or not? What do you think? It seems like that's the most popular time for a lot of you dudes. So if you're up for the late night dilly dilly, uh, we'll see if we can put it together tomorrow. I'll be on our usual time, 5.30 or so. We'll have Franz Beard. Uh, and we'll see the king can meet tomorrow night and chat a little bit about things and catch up. So, yeah, thanks, Nat, and the Steve and all you gangs. Bubba, yeah, if you're good with the Bubba, then we're good with it. Thank you, Joy, for the comment. Appreciate very much you being there. Uh, we're going to keep doing this for a while, as long as you want it, all right? Thanks, and have a great night. Thanks for the compliments, guys.